Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, the world has still gone nutty, buddy, buddy. Even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. We shall miss the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cast. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on buddy cast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Welcome to another great episode of BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a man I met at Comic-Con, a true legend, a man of a million voices, the voice of Tony the Tiger, and many more characters, Mr. Tony Daniels. Yay! Here How you on doing, buddy? buddy cast. That's the uh, Broadway version. Aha. Uh-huh. How you doing today, bud? I'm good, Nick. Miss you, buddy. It's been a while. I know. I know. It's been a month or two. About a month. Yeah, yeah. about a month. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. I love so what when you, you shake your head because the camera goes crazy. Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mine. I have to do this. Wow, wow, it's about a month, yeah. So. Earthquake! I've been crazy. Yes. I'm trying to lose my jowls. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I've been, um, I just shot a new pilot of a series I created and was editing a second pilot of, actually, technically the first pilot we finished, and uh, I was editing that. In fact, I'm working on it as we speak. Mm. By the way, I'm in New York City, so if you hear sirens out there, it's your own fault. Sounds good. <laughs> if, they, if I hear sirens, they found you. Well, I'm not talking of the kind that you like, you know, the girls with the uh, on the island going oh, and uh, mm-hmm. bringing all the sailors in and taking yeah. over the world. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's been uh, since I saw you, we've been doing all that stuff. It's been a bit crazy. Nice, nice. Now, buddy, take me back to the beginning for our viewers out there. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> so that's the, be- the real beginning. Yes. And what then when the... I was... <laughs> yeah. When I was about four years old, my dad, uh, or actually three, my dad brought home a snare drum. <laughs> you know, and mm. uh, my mom went, get that out of my house. Mom's got a Scottish accent because she was born there, but she's actually Irish and Spanish. It's crazy. Mm. Anyway, so Pops, he uh, got rid of the drum because it was driving my mom crazy. And then uh, a couple months later, he brought home a guitar. Ah. And I could play it. Ooh. Yeah, so... It was meant to be. And then um, after that, uh, I, um, my, my dad worked a few overtimes, got me an electric, and then, and then it just went from there. So I would be playing, um, I was playing professionally with a couple of bands by the time I was 11, 12 years old. And then a radio guy discovered me, came in and says, Hi, I'm Shotgun Tom Rivers. I want you on my radio show. And I always had a, I had a big, deep voice when I was a kid. I was like the original Froggy. Anyway, so I end up... Um, I end up uh, going to his studio and going, radio, 
what I want to do. And within a year, I was doing voices for his show and stuff like that. So it was cool. And then I went to this other radio station when he left there. And the guy I was working with there, he'd come in every week and go, okay, I'm writing a spot for this. So I'll, I'll need Elvis's voice. So I, I quickly learned Elvis's voice, like in a second, you know, I'm blowing one. And then, uh, you know, then it'd be like uh, <laughs> one day he comes in and he says, I need Dudley Moore for Monday. I go, okay, so I go, I go home and I rent, you know, Arthur and all those movies. Like, so I, I, I came in on, on the Monday and I was like, okay, I got it. I got it down. <laughs> I got it. For and he's like, what the hell are you doing? I needed Dudley Do-Right. I said, no, you said Dudley Moore, you freak. So I ended up, uh, no problem. I could still do Dudley uh, do right in a second, you know. So it was good. Thank gosh, mm -hmm. it worked out good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you get thrown a new challenge, when you get thrown a new job, like, hey, I need an Elvis voice or something, how do well, you develop that character? How do you develop the voice that they need? Well, now it's pretty easy. It's like um, yesterday I had a bunch of auditions. In fact, I just did a commercial before we got on for a product, and it was really. Slow. <laughs> so it was like one of those things. So I didn't develop, develop very much because it's in your head. But when it comes to like doing impressions, and I don't like to do just a caricature. I like to get it down so it's exact. So, you know, if you're doing Pacino, it's like, well, especially uh, the Al Pacino of today sounds like this, right? That's the way he talks. And then if you go back, uh, Al was more like this back in the day during the filming of The Godfather and stuff. It was more here. He didn't have the rasp. Know, so um, so getting the nuances down and, and adding that into every impression uh, makes a difference. And it's hard because I've heard some people doing some really cool impressions that I go, I can't do that. Because if it's in your natural wheelhouse, it's easy. Like a guy like Tom Hanks. Uh, there's a guy da out there that does a, a natural Tom Hanks, and that's perfect, you know. Um, but, you know, um, my luck is that I, I'm able to do, um, you know, a bunch. I've done over 600 celebs. So Wow. Professionally. Yeah, it's cool. wow. I've done more than that non-professionally. I'm having <laughs> a cup of tea. It's a very British thing with a bit of milk. Mmm, looks delicious. And hot because of, uh, I just finished like talking for two and a half hours, so my throat's a bit. <laughs> yeah, is that how you re is that how you recuperate after a long day? Just a nice cup of tea? No, it's usually drugs and alcohol. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you saw me. I don't really drink that much. I, I, did I have right a drink now. with you? I don't even think we did. Did we? Uh, did I think we? we had one beer. I think I think we had because we both had early mornings because you had to get to the airport. I had to work the next day. I think we just had like a we had just had a soda or something. We had sodas. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then the night before, I had like a tequila mm -hmm. because tequila is great because it's low in alcohol and it's an upper, not a downer, so you don't get a headache and stuff. If it's good, mm -hmm. unless it's junk, then you get a headache and you die. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those voices, one of those celebs that you mentioned, or you didn't mention, was Tony the Tiger. Yes. So, I didn't how mention. do you, <laughs> I remember you told me a great story about that at, at Comic Con? Could you tell our audience that how you landed that role? How I end, oh, uh, that was um, I had been doing um, taglines for Kellogg's over the years, different products, um, Frosted Flakes included. Um, and I got called in uh, in 2004 to do a tagline for Frosted Flakes where they were talking about, um, um, you know, especially Mark Boxes of Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes, you know, stuff like that. And then they, they always took the sugar out. It was like Kellogg's Frosted Flakes because I think the sugar was misleading. Mm -hmm. was like, eh. Anyway, so um, they asked me to sit down 
uh, for a few minutes. They only had Thurl Ravenscroft, the voice of Tony the Tiger, for how long did he do it, Nick? Do you know? I think didn't he do it for like thirty something years or something? Oh, like that? I think it's more, my friend. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, let me guess, nineteen fifty. Hmm. Was it fifty? Let me let me look it up because that's important. You need to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony the Tigra, the Tiger, the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's my name. Um, there it is. Kind of kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, so Thurl did. It. Okay, so this is cool because there was a guy named Dallas McKinnon who did it from 1952 to 1953, one year, and then uh, Thurl went on from 2000. Uh, 1953 to 2005 when he passed away. Um, and while we were doing the recording, um, Thurl's voice was a bit uh, raspy. You know, so he's, uh, cause he, he was on oxygen and the whole thing. So he's like, try new Tony's turbos. They're right. Right. And then they did it, did it, did it. And, and then he leaves the studio and they go, well, he didn't really have a clean turbos. And I just turned around and said, you mean Tony's turbos? And they went, that's it. Can you do it? I went, sure. You're already paying me for the tag. So I don't mind. So it was cool. Nice, nice. Now, speaking of tigers, you were also in the TV show Daniel the Tiger. I certainly am. Can you tell us about that role? Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood was created by Mr. Fred Rogers and his team. And he actually, and uh, we we were hanging with Mr. Feely, um, Mm -hmm. uh, David Noel. Yep. Newell. Yep, Newell. Yep. Uh, It's just everybody pronounces it fast. They go, Newell. Mm -hmm. David Newell. And David is a sweetheart. And he said to me, he goes, do you know who originally voiced that? And I said, no, I was going to ask. And he said, it was Fred. I'm like, wow, I've been great company, right? So um, so Fred was the voice of several characters. Ooh, it's amazing. Anyway, so <laughs> Fred uh, Fred was fantastic. And in fact, I was um, when I was a kid, I was installing, for a summer, I installed cable TV. Wow, what was that? Cable. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost gone. Um, and so I installed the cable, and uh, I was at this... Uh, I was at this house, and this lady had a shrine to Fred Rogers. And I was like, this is kind of weird. I'm only 16. I just got my license able to work part-time in the summer. I had a job where I was uh, producing and editing and all kinds of stuff. But for the summer, going outside paid three times the money. So I went out mm. for a summer. But um, ended up, she looks, oh, she's like, oh, you, you think I'm crazy? I said, no, no, no. She says, yeah, you do. You ju- oh, I'm not crazy. Fred Rogers is my nephew. So I was like, wow, this is cool. So, yeah, he he got around. He was a pretty decent man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another role that I think you were great in is X-Men. Yep. Yeah, tell us about X-Men. Tell us about, like, all that, like how you found the role and all that. Well, when I started with the X-Men, I was um, – I auditioned for Gambit originally and, and a bunch of characters but Gambit. And um, they chose Chris Potter to play Gambit first because he was uh, a well-known Canadian actor. And um, but they said, "Don't be upset." And I go, "You know, you know, you, you pick that guy, and he's a good, good dude, good actor. But uh, you pick that guy." And they went, "Don't worry about it. You're going to make him more money." I go, "What do you mean?" And they said, "You can do tons of voices. We can have you do like five, six characters every show." I'm like. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> so it was good because I had student loans and stuff to pay off. So that was perfect. So I ended up doing that. And um, and then when uh, Chris left the show, I took over his gambit. And I've been the longest running gambit, nine years. So mm. it's kind of cool. But that's, that's how it happened. And I was playing his brother, Bobby LeBeau, originally. 
So my Cajun accent is up there. And then when I was doing it with him, it was perfect because, you know, it matched perfectly because we did sound kind of alike. And then we morphed him into, especially during the video games, we made Gambit a more tougher. Right, so it was kind of cool. That is awesome. I love how you develop multiple characters into one show. That's freaking awesome. Yes. Yeah. So you and I met at a Comic-Con. Yes. How did you get involved? How did you get involved with Comic-Cons? How would, which part you interested in those? I'll tell you, because I did uh, hundreds of voices on Sailor Moon. And for years, uh, Roland Parliament, who played um, Melvin, uh, he kept bugging me, come, come to a Comic-Con, come to it. And I was like, nah, I don't want to sit around and blah, blah, blah. But the first time I showed up, because he begged me, um, was like they'd been doing it for three or four years. And this is long before Comic-Cons became popular. And um, when I showed up, people went crazy. And there was a lineup for my uh, table outside the door. And... Uh, I didn't even bring autograph uh, materials, so they were like just amazing, asking questions. But then I used to go crazy because they go, so in episode 97, scene 5, you know, I'm like, no, I don't remember that. Trust me, because I did too many of them, um, mm-hmm. and I do too many other things. So I said, but, I'll, you know, you don't be rude, but you just like, please, I can't I can't remember that. I can't remember my name. I can't, can't remember that. I can't, who's Nick Sorensen? You know, like that's the way it works, so. Um, anyway, so, but it was, it was really lovely because the people were really, um, um, respectful and kind and, and I liked it. And then I didn't do it for a long time. And then I got contacted by a guy who was putting together a X-Men reunion and Chris wasn't available. So they brought me in to be Gambit with Rogue and Cal Dodd who plays, uh, Wolverine and George Booza, who I adore, always loved George. We did a lot of cartoons together. And um, so that was kind of cool, and then it just it just started from there, and then uh, uh, just you know, whenever people call, I'll go and do it just for fun because I, I love meeting the fans. It's a cool thing. Look, I met you. I had a exactly. Time. You know exactly. You were slightly abusive, but not that much. Say what? I abused you. It was fun. Uh huh. I was about to say. At last I checked, I was the one running around grabbing you all the pens and stuff. Yes, you were doing things for us. You were so amazing. Now, some mm-hmm. people, um, you know, the volunteers that come out to the cons are just amazing. If you have a chance out there and you want to uh, help out on a con, contact mm-hmm. the people and say, hey, listen, I want to volunteer. And you get to meet people and you get to hang out. And you'll find that half the people out there are more are just uh, absolutely fantastic. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, and what I love about Comic Cons is it's your average Joe. Like, it's your avid, like it's your it's your banker. It's your accountant. It's your it's the guy you work next to that does the social media. Yeah. All this stuff, just average Joes. This is their passion. This is what they do outside of work. Like this is what they enjoy. You know. Yeah, I had a like, couple of doctors that day that I that you were sitting with me, and uh, they were really cool people. And I, I was like, wow, you guys are you guys are eye doctors. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's cool. Exactly. So speaking of comic cons, do you have any coming up that you'd like to promote? Uh this weekend I'm at New Jersey Collector Fest. Um, and then I'm trying to, uh, for the first week of November, I'm trying to figure this out because I got, I got offered to go do something in Canada, but I don't know if there's a, um, a wait period to get back in, you know, where you have to, you go over the border and you have to wait 14 days in isolation. I don't want to do that. Mm. Um, and then I have another option to, um, because my friend Thomas G waits, who is one of the warriors, Warriors come out to play. <laughs> ah, Thomas is one of my best buddies, and we're we're playing on. Uh, 
were doing a live broadcast. I can't remember what the show was called. And we're going to be playing live music and singing and talking about our jobs. And then, uh, and then the next day, I think we, he and I, instead of doing the other con-con, I'll probably end up going with him to uh, Rhode Island, I think. I'm just waiting for the finalization. And then I have another, another one in Atlanta in December. That's going to be cool. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be careful, too, as you know, Nick, because you don't want to walk into a, a storm of, of uh, COVID and stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have to be careful. And when you're out there, you know, people, we ask you to wear your masks and stuff. And, uh, you know, most people are very respectful. It's been great. Like in Erie, they were amazing. They were quiet and cool and maybe a little too quiet. <laughs> it's always quiet here in Erie. You know that. I know. Well, because I grew up just up. Just a few, you know, what, 78 miles or 88 miles from you? Mm-hmm. Oh, Toronto. yeah. Toronto. Oh, yeah. Made across the lake. Let's see. Erie, PA. People are cool in Erie, though. We had a good time. And uh, mm-hmm. and I got to hang for the first time with Marty Grabstein, who plays Courage the Cowardly Dog. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we came up with some ideas. And then the following week, he and I went and did a Comic-Con in... Um, St. Augustine, Florida, and we wrote a, a series while we were there. So it's actually a really funny live action series. So yeah, for Toronto, three. Well, they say four hours. There's no way, man. I, I mean, I made it to. I made it from Toronto to Pittsburgh one time in three hours and thirty-seven. How fast are you going, Barry? <laughs> Past the straight, state trooper doing well over two hundred miles an hour. I had a really cool racing truck. So mm. we don't go there. That's when I was young and stupid. I was about to say, was that with the police escort behind you? No, they were after me, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Was that with the police <laughs> escort behind you instead no, of in front of you? Front. They were in front. They were in front standing on a bridge like this. Yeah. And I had j- just got off the freeway probably. I drove for about 10 more minutes, and I'm not far from where I was supposed to be, so I went, I'm not going to take a chance. So I, j- I got off the freeway. <laughs> Threw my hubs into, because uh, it was 4x4, four four, threw it into 4x4, four four, and it, this truck was super fast. Anyway, and I drove through this farmer's field, and I could see the cops standing on the bridge like this, ready to take me out. <laughs> Never did that again. That's when I was young and stupid. Mm. So, we all do stupid things, right, Nick? Oh, yeah. We all do. <laughs> yeah, that time you robbed the bank, and no, no, just kidding. <laughs> but anywho... So are there any upcoming projects that you're working on? Like you mentioned, you did some recordings today. Is there anything else that you've got lined up that you can fill us in on? Well, this past Monday, I shot a pilot for my new show. Uh, It's about my kind of wacky life and how I meet people and hang out with them. And um, Mm. I have a lot of, as you know, I have a lot of celeb friends that are great people. And so I try to write them in. uh, In fact, my musical partner, Cassandra Kabinsky, if you go to CassandraKabinsky.com or... Uh, on YouTube, Cassandra Grabinska, you'll see videos of us playing music. We wrote uh, a couple of records together, and it's just been amazing. Um, you know, we were, I wrote a series where she introduced me to her friend Billy Joel. So uh, Billy and I were talking, and uh, I, I said, I wrote this episode for my, my new series that I haven't produced yet. This is going back a couple of years. You know, COVID's really put a damper on a lot of things, but uh, now it's like, you know, lifting up and it's slowly getting better. And uh, he said he wanted to do the series, so that'd be amazing. Um, and then I have another series I wrote. It's really funny. It's about um, these uh, sort of documentary-style um, comedy stories. And uh, so we shot six episodes, 
and I'm finishing off the pilot. Uh, as we speak, it's sitting right in front of me, the, di the digital video, and um, I'll finish off a bunch of stuff tonight, do a quick mix, and then send it off to my partner, and he'll, uh, he'll tweak it and do his thing, and he'll do his magic, and everything will be cool. And then, then I'll let you guys know when, when and where you can go find it. It'll be cool. Hopefully Netflix <laughs> or Hulu or Apple TV or something. Yeah. Have you seen Ted Lasso yet? I have not, but I've definitely heard of it. You gotta watch it. I, I uh, I'm a member of the Emmys, so the, especially on the voting side, and it's one of the first things I had to watch last season. And I went, "Whoa!" First episode, I couldn't put it down. I binged it. It was stupid, but it was great. Beautiful. Now, buddy, I've got three questions for you that I always ask all my buddies that come on the show. Okay. The first one is in your own words. What does it mean to be someone's buddy? Hmm. Well, it's funny. I just wrote a song about that. It's um, when you're somebody's buddy, and I take buddy a little more, I guess, maybe literal than some people. Uh, mm -hmm. You try and be there for them, and you want them to be there for you if possible. And they're also somebody you can bang ideas off of, and they'll tell you what they think without hurting your feelings. And I think also it's, uh, you know, there should be some laughs involved. And um, just, you know, all around good times. I mean, um, you have a dog. Mm -hmm. I have a dog, and he's my buddy. He's my, you know, primo, oh, yes. primo guy. And he's 17, Nick. Wow. Yeah, and he looks amazing at 17. Um, I'm like a 200-pound man. He's a 14-pound dog, and he can still pull me over at 17 years old. So, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the my first... Uh, my first thoughts of buddies, you know, mm -hmm. I have a lot that of buddies. Was, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Now, buddy, part being buddy is being a charitable buddy. So if you could have our audience donate to any charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Oh boy. There's so many. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, when anything to do with children's charities is number one. Um, but there was one thing I wanted to do. I was hoping if, if one of my shows hits and I make a ton of money, one of the one things I want to do is uh, way north way, way north, you know, 60th parallel, way up there, you know, right across from Alaska to Baffin Island. I wanted to, um, I want to have a, for the whole of the north, not just in Canada or America, but all of the north, where we build these massive greenhouses that use mm -hmm. thermal energy to heat and do all the stuff and grow food because food up there is so darn expensive. It's like $100 for a green pepper. Well, forget about it. You build giant greenhouses, and you can feed everybody. Plus, you'll have work for everybody, and you don't you don't do it to make a profit. You do it to help people that are up there. Uh, and then, you know, who knows what the uh, what the the, the spinoff of that is? But that that would be my 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 other thing to uh, maybe. I don't know if I like I said if I make enough uh, dough, I'll put together something so I can do that. But anything to do with children's charities, if you if you can, because I do it every. Every few months, we donate to Children's Charities and the World Wildlife Fund because, you know, animals are important. Yes, I love that answer, and I, I really hope that you come in good fortune and that you can get your greenhouses in. That sounds yes. fantastic. Be, it's amazing, and it, and it would mm -hmm. work in other places. And I like I have friends who have developed a uh, a special machine, and I'm hoping they get federal approval because they were allowed to go uh, into places that are devastated, like New Orleans. And set up this machine, and it will generate water and energy for people. And it's really cool. I've seen it, and I'm like, wow, this works. So 
hopefully yes. get approvals. So there you absolutely, go. absolutely. Number now, three. Yep. It's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Uh, you ready for this? I don't know. I'll try. For anyone out there who wants to be a voiceover actor, who wants to use their voice for acting and all that, what is your advice to them? Pretend your screen's frozen. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were getting nervous there. Um, we call that a Walt Disney moment here. We've had that happen before. Yeah. No, I, I, di I didn't know if you, because if you move on there, it'll catch it on, on my glasses reflection. But mm. anyway, I was just messing with you. Nick, <laughs> and I could hear an ambulance going by. But here's the deal. Um, I think, especially nowadays, you have to be a really good actor. I mean, I started actually as an actor. That's what I was doing. I was doing comedy stuff and, you know, working with my friends. And then my other friend, when we were in our early teens, um, put together a, um, a production company to put on plays. And um, I, he hired me, hired me, basically paid me $2. But he hired me to, uh, to set up all the um, technical stuff because he knew I knew tech really well. And I actually went to a, uh, um, there was a store in my neighborhood at the time that was selling like uh, broken stuff. And I'd worked for the, the, uh, the cable company. And this guy had been throwing out those headphones, almost like yours, with the, the mic and everything built in. But they were broken. They didn't work, and he didn't want to fix them. So I go, can I have these? He goes, take them. I said, everything cool? And the boss goes, yeah, take them. They're fine. They're garbage. So I took them. I rewired them myself. I, got, I went to a, uh, a, a store and found some wire. Mm. And then I, I, I got two uh, receivers, um, stereo receivers, that were damaged. And I went through and I, I soldered the, the boards back together and I fixed them and I built a talkback system for the uh, for the play. So now the people behind stage could hear the director, the director could hear the lighting and sound people. And it was amazing. So he says, hey, we're going to do another play. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have my gear. And he goes, nope, you're not doing that this time. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're in it. What? He says, you've got to be in the play. He says, I don't think I've laughed as hard as, as all the stuff you were doing. So... Uh, so I learned it, and uh, the very first play I did with him was Catch-22, and I played, like, I don't know, nine parts. It was fun. I'm doing costume changes like crazy. But that's the key is to go out there and learn uh, to be an actor before you're a voice actor because uh, I don't even call myself really a voice actor, even though people label that. I I'd rather prefer your, I'm an actor who specializes in voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to be a me, it's going to be a little more difficult because – uh, I've been lucky and blessed enough that I can do every accent and thousands of voices. So the point being that um, if you get the acting chops first, then you can develop your other stuff. I just happened to have it because I was a really good musician as a child. And so the ear, knock on wood, works well. And then once you have that in place, then you know just learn how to read a script and do it every day. Yeah, even if you're not working, you read or you write. And you produce your own stuff like you're doing now, Nick. You, you make your own stuff and eventually you get better and better and better and better and better. And, and then eventually you, you rise above the rest. And hopefully, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's your first goal as, a, as an actor who wants to do voice uh, is to do that. Take um, an online, if, you, if you're not local, take an online Second City course. Uh, they have them in Toronto and Chicago. 
Um, we used to have a thing in New York called Upright Citizens Brigade, which was really cool. It's all uh, Toronto. I grew up playing this thing. called I was a Second City guy, but I also grew up playing this thing called theater sports. And it's improv. So you know who Colin Mockery is, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Who's like? Who's so like? I yep. got to work with Colin and all the guys who, you know, uh, and all the guys I worked with and gals were amazing, amazing improvers and that's that's the key and that, that that helps you become a better writer um helps you think on your feet even even if you're not into acting and you're just watching because you um you're a ceo or a, a you know a manager at a company you want to learn how to speak to people it's one of the best ways to learn is to become that kind of actor where you can uh, address things and not be afraid and have um a solid uh, outlook on how you want to proceed so brilliant Love the advice. Love how deep you got into it. It wasn't just, yeah, take some classes and do this. It was, hey, here's what you got to do. Here's why you got to do it. I can get even deeper. Nice. <laughs> to close out the show, would you give us a little demonstration? Like, just freestyle it, you know? Uh, what kind of stuff would you like, Nick? Do you, do you want Any, Anything. You want, whatever you whatever comes to you your know mind. What you should do. I should. Uh, this happened to me the other day. They wanted me to do this, uh, this riffing, and I, I'm like, oh, I was so busy doing other stuff. I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, vo- um, I can't remember all the voices I do because there's so many of them, and then, you know, some of them I do have to go. Okay, I gotta revisit that. So, I mean, you know, one of my favorites is uh, Sean Connery, and I have a great story about that, Nick. I was with, uh, I was working in uh, Sony Films, um, and I had a parking spot, and this guy parked in my spot one day, and I'd been there for months, and I'm like, man, what a, ugh, whoever parked there. Ugh. So I uh, I pulled around the corner and I parked in this one spot and this guy tooted his horn and says, "Hey, that's my spot, man." I'm like, oh, "I'm sorry." He goes, "Ah, eh, you're in a small car. Just push it right up against the post and you can you can park here as long as you need." And I go, "Thank you, Mister." And I look up, Jerry Bruckheimer. I'm like, "Wow." So I go back to my uh, studio and I see this guy getting into his car in my spot, and it turns around. And I look at him. I go, "Hi," and he goes, "Is this your spot?" I go, "No, it's fine, Mister Connor." He goes. Don't worry, I'm only here for a few more days. I apologize. I'm like, no, no, it's cool. So that's kind of cool, you know. So I do them, you know. You heard me do Al Pacino earlier. It's easy. I actually did Alec Baldwin for, you know, those Amazon commercials where he, Alexa, mm-hmm. Alexa. So I actually voiced his stuff for him. So when he went in the studio, it was done faster. It's great. Uh, let's see, I've done Ben Kingsley. I won't do that one now because it was hard because it's specific. Uh, Bill Clinton, I used to do Bill Clinton on the Howard Stern show. That's uh, one of the places I had a good time. And now he's sick today. Uh, mm-hmm. But hopefully he's getting better. Um, uh, my friend Tony Pastor, God bless him, he passed away last year from COVID. But mm-hmm. uh, Tony was um, in the movie Operation Petticoat, so I'd call him and go, Tony, this is Cary Grant. It's me. And he's like, don't carry me. And I'm like, then he'd want to kill me for doing that. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I filled in for some cool ones that I don't know if you know about, Nick. Ooh, tell us, tell us. I did a bunch of uh, lines for this guy. Oh, yeah. I filled in for uh, Seth MacFarlane on Ted 1 and Ted 2. Just a few lines. <laughs> Come on, Johnny. Get it together. So, yeah, it was really cool doing that one. Uh, Sean Penn. If I don't, have you seen The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? I think so. I think a while yeah. back or so. Okay. Yeah, watch it again. And then, yeah, you should watch it again because then you'll be like, hey, wait a minute. Is that Tom Ken? Is it uh, Sean Penn or Tony Daniels, right? So mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a scene where he reads his own letter, and it's it starts off as Sean, and then it morphs into me and goes back to Sean right towards the end, but you can't tell where it is. It's really cool. It's mm-hmm. really, really cool. You know, Sylvester Stallone, that's a good one. You know, hey, 
How you doing? Um, Tom Kenny, I filled in for Tom as SpongeBob. Ah! But <laughs> that's been a while. That was just for, uh, oh, you're, oh, God, that's a while, about a while ago. That was cool. Uh, I voiced something for Mel Brooks. As Mel Brooks doing the thousand year old man. It was good. That was a cool one. Um, here's one. Uh, here's a weird one. Uh, Kevin Dillon. I did that for uh, some movie, and it's like you know, it's one of those voices that you know you can't tell who it is. So it's pretty cool. And then there's hundreds of others. Elvis. I played Elvis on Erie, Indiana. You don't remember that, do you? Mm-mm. Dude, what's wrong with you? It's Erie, <laughs> Indiana, the other dimension. Not Erie, Pennsylvania, but Erie, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I actually gained um, a ton of weight. Oh, man, it was terrible. Uh, a ton of weight to play the big, fat Elvis. Um, but, you know, hey, that's what you do when you're an actor. You When you're an actor, mm-hmm. you work hard. Let's see. Uh, da, da, da. If you look it up, you'll find me, and you'll go, hey, that's him, that's Elvis, that's Tony, that's him doing <laughs> stuff on camera. It's kind of cool. And I really, uh, I love that series because um, the two young fellas, uh, they're now men, but uh, Bill Switzer, or Switzer, I should say is how he pronounces it, Bill Switzer and Daniel Clark, they're, uh, they were really fine young actors, and uh, it was cool, you know, you got to spend. And I had a few friends on there, like my buddy Tony Rosato, and... Um, Neil Crone, uh, Richard Wall, all these people. Uh, um, you know, Deb O'Dell, amazing actor. Uh, just uh, Lindy Booth, just amazing people, great actors. And, um, and you know, when you learn stuff off each other, uh, you feel grateful. Love it. Well, buddy, thank you so much for being thank a buddy, you, buddy here on BuddyCast. Yeah. Hey, what is Tony the Tiny? What is about a BuddyCast? Well, I think... Tony would say that Buddy Cast is great. That's what we were looking for. Alrighty. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, buddy. For all my buddies out there, this is Tony Daniels. If you ever need a voiceover, if you ever just need a fun guy to talk to, look him up. Great guy. And I hope to see you soon at another Comic Con. You will. Thanks, Nick. Alrighty. We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite podcast, Buddy Cast. Well, the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past Buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cats Don't be lonely, go make it, buddy Here on Buddy Cats